What's up everyone? Once again, good morning and welcome to our Sunday morning Water's Edge online worship experience. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. For those of you that continue to tell your friends and family about these online messages and you share these videos with them, thank you so much for doing that. We hope it helps them. That's our definition of ministry is service and help. So we hope it's very helpful. Also, for those of you that continue to give online, thank you so much for your generosity. It causes us to bless and help so many people. It allows us to worship with each other and help each other. So thank you so much for doing that. You allow us to be a blessing to our community. Okay, in this study, we've been trying to figure this out. What does it mean when we say we're trying to follow Jesus? And what does it mean when we say that we want to know and find and experience and do the will of God? Well, this is what we mean when we say that as people of faith, we're trying to follow Jesus, know Jesus, walk in his footsteps, know the will of God, experience the will of God, and do the will of God. It means that in our personal life, we're trying to answer this one question, and this is what the question is. And we've talked about this question over the past couple of weeks, and this is what it is. What does God want me to do? And if we were all honest in here today, we'd all have to admit that many times we deeply struggle with that. If we'd all be honest, we'd all have to say that sometimes we deeply struggle with finding and knowing and experiencing and doing the will of God and trying to figure out what does God want me to do in my relationships, in my family? What does God want me to do in my faith, in my walk with God? What does God want me to do in my finances, with my work life? What does God want me to do as I face this temptation, as I face this storm? What does God want me to do? And so we all would have to admit that we deeply struggle with that. And so honestly, that's why we're all here today. That's why we all tune in. And that's why we all come to church and pray and worship and meditate so we can try to figure this out. What does God want me to do? And so we read stories about Jesus from over 2,000 years ago, a long time ago. Very real stories that the real Jesus had with real people. Real experiences that very real people like you and I had with the real Jesus. Real people like tax collectors, the sick and the diseased, the religious, the lepers, the popular, the forgotten, the rejected, the weak, and the poor. These stories, all of these stories are about love, forgiveness, healing, and life change. But the question that we've been asking in this series is this, and if you're still with me, say I'm still with you. What if that was me in that story with Jesus, and what if that was you in that story with Jesus? What if when we experience these stories from the sacred text about Jesus, we saw ourselves in those stories? Or better yet, what if Jesus walked into your life right now here today? What if he walked into the current chapter of your story's life right now today to get you ready for the next chapter of your life? What would he say to you right now today in love? What would he say to you about your uncertainties? What would he say to you about your past? What would he say to you about your fears, about your anxieties, about your heartache, about your pain, about your dreams, about your goals, and about your faith? What does God want me to do? Because at the end of the day, that's the life that we all want to live if we're all honest. Deep down, we all want to live the life that God wants us to live. 
None of you tuned in this morning so you could add a little God to your week and a little religion to your life to make you feel better about all the other bad things you plan on doing this week. You didn't tune in this morning to do your good deed for the week and to find some sort of loophole in your faith to justify the sin that you want to do. No, deep down, you really do want to live the life that God wants you to live because the life that God wants you to live is a life of peace, hope, and purpose. And we all want peace. We all want hope. We all want purpose, but this is what we mean when we say we want to live a life of peace, hope, and purpose, of peace that we overcome our inner fears and anxieties, that they stop controlling us, of hope that that inner temptation to always give up stops dominating us and controlling us, and of purpose that we overcome that feeling on the inside of having low self-worth. But let me ask you a question. What's holding you back from living that life today? the life that deep down you know you really want to live. When I take my son Jagger to school in the mornings, I take him to Moss Bluff, and a few years ago this happened to me. And so when you're leaving Lake Charles and you're driving in to Moss Bluff down Highway 14 in the morning, it can be very tricky with traffic depending on what time you leave and what time you're arriving as you're getting into Moss Bluff. And so we figure this out that if we leave our house in downtown Lake Charles at 712, then we're going to hit traffic at a certain time and we're going to be late for school for his first bell. But if we leave our house at 7.08, then we'll be 10 minutes early. That's how big of a difference is when traffic hits. So if we leave at 7.12, we're going to be 10 minutes late for his first bell. If we leave at 7.08, we'll be 10 minutes early. And so we try to leave every morning at 7.05. And so not too long ago, uh, the, well, this is a, a couple of years ago, we leave, we're going to school, we leave at 7.05, and we are on time. It's a busy day, it's a traffic day, and so we're on time. But as we get into Moss Bluff, there's an intersection there. There's a big gas station on your right, and there's a Wendy's on your left. If you go straight at that intersection down 171, you end up in Ragley. If you take a left, you go down the main strip in Moss Bluff where the high school is, the elementary school is, the middle school is, and all the other main things in Moss Bluff. Well, on this morning, we get to that light, and we get into the two left turning lanes so we can take a left on that main strip so I can take Jagger to school, and we stop in the traffic because the lights are red. And so we're sitting there, and I'm noticing as we're sitting there, because we're sitting there for a while longer than usual, all the other cars in the other lanes are getting to go. Their lights are turning green and red, green and red, green, yellow, red. But our two turning lanes, the two arrows are never turning green. And we sit there literally after a while for 15 minutes, and now we're late for school. And I'm wondering, what's going on? Why aren't these lights working? Because everyone else gets to go, but it's never our turn to turn left. And there was a long line of traffic piling up behind us. People were honking. They didn't know what was going on. And so I look over, and I notice that there's this electrical box on the side of the road, and there's two parish workers at that box, and apparently they're working on the lights, and they're manually doing the lights while they're working on the lights. And so they're letting everyone else go, but apparently they forgot about the two left turning lanes, and they never turn our arrows green. So finally, when I figured it out, I get out of my truck before I know it. I stand up on my truck, and I start screaming, hey, you're forgetting about us. It's our turn. They look at me and I say, it's our turn. We've been sitting here for 15 minutes. I'm screaming. I said, it's our turn. And everyone around me starts clapping and they turn the arrows green. But here's my point. 
if you never see yourself in these stories with Jesus and let Jesus be very real to you and let Jesus be very personal to you, then it's like you're getting stuck at a red light. Everyone else around you, their life is going forward, but your life is just staying the same. Sooner or later, it has to be your turn, your turn for peace, finally, your turn for hope, finally, your turn for purpose, finally, your turn to figure out what does God want me to do, finally. So John the Baptist is murdered. He's killed. The disciples of John go and tell Jesus, this deeply troubles Jesus because John the Baptist is his cousin. He deeply loves him. And so we pick up in Matthew today, chapter 14, verse 13. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to the remote area, notice this, to be alone. That's very key. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. So something I think that's many times really hard for you and I to understand is the fact that Jesus was all person, all human, all man. We all know that he was all God because we believe that about his miracles and his resurrection. We see that in his miracles and in his resurrection, but something else we have to understand is that he was all man and all human, and we see that in his pain like we have pain. And we see that in his questions, like we have questions. And we see that in the, in the stress that he had when he went to the cross. And we deal with stress too. And we see that in his feelings and in his temptations. But we also see that right now in his desire to be alone. And have you ever felt like that? Like you just needed to be alone? Like there was two different sides to you. You have those moments when you feel really strong and really close to God and really motivated, but then you have those other moments in your life when you feel really tired and really drained and really unpeaceful and really exhausted and really down, like you need to be alone. So did Jesus. He understands you. And have you ever felt like no one understands you? Have you ever felt like no one understands what you're going through? He does. He gets you. He loves you. Verse 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, here's the difference between us and Jesus most of the time, that even in his sadness and even in his feelings of emotion and even in his desires to, to be alone, he never loses his compassion for people who needed his help. We do. When we have bad moments, when we have bad days, when we have overwhelming feelings and overwhelming emotions, we lose our love and we lose our patience and compassion for people right away. We should probably be more like Jesus since we claim to be people of faith. Verse 15. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. And this was from a little boy's lunch. Verse 18, Jesus says, bring them here. Verse 19, then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up towards heaven, blessed them, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, how many of you like a good buffet? Man, listen, if I'm going to go out and eat somewhere, I want to make sure that I get my money's worth. And so I love a buffet because every time I go to a buffet, I know that I'm going to get my money's worth. 
I know there's going to be enough food. I know that there's going to be more than enough. Now, this is a small detail in the story, but verse 20 says that the people were able to eat all that they wanted, and there was even 12 baskets of leftovers. Now, something we need to understand is that with Jesus, there's always enough. His love doesn't have a limit. His grace doesn't have a limit. His mercy, his patience, his forgiveness, his peace for you, his purpose for you, his plan for you does not have a limit. He has enough. In fact, he has more than enough. Verse 21, about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all the women and children. So in reality, there was 10,000 or 15,000 people that they fed on this day. Now, I grew up in the type of churches hearing that this miracle, this story was all about the miracle. It was all about Jesus showing up and announcing that as God, nothing is impossible for him. He can take a little boy's lunch and he can feed 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people. Look at how Jesus is God and look at how amazing God is. God can do amazing things and nothing is impossible for God. It was all about the spectacle that Jesus was God's son and he can work miracles. But honestly, I don't believe that anymore and I don't see it like that that way at all. And so I want you to remember something today and notice this. This miracle was not about the miracle at all. It was about the meal. Now understand this. The reason Jesus fed the thousands of people on this day is simply because they were hungry. And when he saw them, he felt compassion on them. Even when he wanted to be alone, just lost his cousin. And he needed to be alone in a place where he could find solitude. His emotions were in pain, but he still saw people that were hurting. And so he fed them because he loved them and he had compassion for them. He didn't perform a miracle to perform a miracle. He fed them because they were hungry. He fed them because they were tired. He fed them because he loved them. A couple of churches said this about the water's edge recently. They said, yeah, the water's edge feeds all those people, but they don't tell people about Jesus enough. Well, first of all, everyone that we feed, they know that we feed people because we love Jesus. The community knows that. And secondly, it's because we don't have anything up our sleeve. We're not trying to have a sales pitch here. When we see people that are hurting, we just want to be like Jesus and have compassion on them. We're not trying to have a gimmick. We want to help people because people are hurting and we have compassion on them because that's what Jesus did, amen? But on a more personal note, what about what's going on in your life right now? I gave my life to Jesus when I was around 19, 20 years old and I was always under the impression that the, the first reason, the first reason Jesus died for me and loved me and forgave me and changed me and saved me and all those things was because he wanted to use me. The first reason that Jesus pursued me and grabbed a hold of my life is because he wanted to turn my life around and use my life to point people towards Jesus. But I don't think that's the first reason anymore either. Now I think the first reason that Jesus died for me and you he loves me in you. He forgives me in you. He changes me in you. Is because he saw me and you in our pain and he had compassion for us. He saw me and you in our sadness and he loved us. He saw me and you in our fears and he loved us. He saw me and you in our loneliness and he had compassion for us. He saw me and you in our hurt and he loved us. And that's why he did it because he loves us. His first desire is to help me because he loved me and he had compassion for me and for you too. Amen. 
His first desire is to help hurting people because God is love. And so place yourself in this crowd today. It's my turn and it's your turn to get the green light and understand this. Remember this today if you're still with me. Sam's still with you. He's not just concerned about the big details. He's concerned about every detail in your life. He's not just concerned about your soul. He's not just concerned about your soul going to heaven. But he's also concerned about your dreams and your past and your fears and your purpose and your exhaustion and your feelings and your relationships and your future and your heart. God is in every detail. He loves you that much. He is in every detail because he has compassion for you. Now, very quickly, something else I want you to understand is this. If you're still with me, Sam, still with you. In John chapter 6, it says that Jesus and his disciples got the five loaves of bread and the two fish from a little boy. It was his lunch. And so this little boy donated his little lunch, and it ended up feeding 15,000 people possibly. The last thing I want you to see today is this. If you're still with me, so I'm still with you. Sometimes the most ordinary gift can make a big difference. Now listen, our church is trying to make a big difference in this city and in this community. We're trying to create a church for people who've been hurt by church, and we're doing it. We're trying to start a church for people who don't fit in at other churches, and we're doing it for people who've been rejected by other churches, and we're doing it. We want to create a church that feeds people and loves people, and we're doing it. We want to create a church that disciples people to serve with their faith, and we're doing it. But we wouldn't be able to do it without you and your life and your talents and your gifts, without your love and without your help. Some of you have the ability to give parts of yourself more than others can. And others of you think that your gift and what you can give is just ordinary and not much. I'm sure this little boy on this day thought my little lunch cannot feed 15,000 people, but he gave it anyway and it made a big difference. So for those of you who give your love to the water's edge, thank you. For those of you who give your time to the water's edge, thank you. For those of you that give your service to the water's edge and your energy to the water's edge and your offerings to the water's edge, thank you. Keep helping us. Keep giving of yourself. Keep helping us so we can make a big difference. Now, what's holding you back from living the life that you know you really want to live? A life of peace, hope, and purpose. It could be that somewhere along the line, you convinced yourself that your life and what you have to offer is just ordinary and it's too small to make a difference. One of the reasons why so many people don't live their lives with peace, hope, and purpose is because they're not giving of themselves to something bigger than themselves that gives other people peace, hope, and purpose. And that's what we're trying to do here. And so we've created this gathering, this assembly, this army is trying to give people peace, hope, and purpose. And if you want to add that to your life, then get plugged in and give of yourself. Give of your love, your time, your heart, your service, your offerings. And we'll take our little gifts and we'll make a big difference with it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Thank you so much for tuning in. We absolutely love you. A few announcements that we want you to understand is April the 9th and the 16th. We're going to have gas card giveaway. If you would like to volunteer, please.
please let us know. April the 14th, we have food pantry. If you would like to volunteer, show up on that day at 9.30. April the 17th, we have our Easter services. And we're asking everyone who can uh, attend in person on that day, if you can, please hang out with us. For those of you that usually attend online because that makes you feel more comfortable, that's cool. Thank you so much. But if you can attend in person that day, Hang out with us, 9.30 and 11.15. We cannot wait to see you back next week. We hope you have a wonderful week.